0: Thank you again, Alvin, for sharing your wonderful gift with us. I too would like to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. If everyone could stand for the reading of the word. You can find uh, our reading this morning, Acts 4, cha- uh, at chapter 4, 13 through 31, in your pew Bible in front of you. It's on page 887, Acts 4, 13 through 31. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, They let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, It is you who said by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in the city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats, and grant your servants to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God with boldness. The reading of the word. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you. Let's pray as we begin this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, I love this passage as we move forward in this character study of Peter in the book of Acts. We're actually in the same narrative that we were in last week. It's one long narrative in in chapters 3 and 4. Peter and John heal a man uh, who had been born lame. They do so in the name of Jesus, and then they preach powerfully in that same name. And this greatly concerns the religious leaders of Jerusalem, And they have Peter and John thrown in jail for an evening. And the next morning, they're brought before the leaders, including the high priest Caiaphas. And they are questioned vigorously. And the questions go something like this. Who gave you authority to do what you just did? Who do you think you are? And Peter's reply is really amazing, which was read for us. He claims over and over again that it is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who gives them authority to do this. The same Jesus that they crucified. He's been raised from the dead, and salvation is only found in his name. As Pastor Joy talked about last week, there is power in the name of Jesus. But I don't want us to lose sight of what's happening in this passage, because it's pretty amazing. These were the very same leaders who had seen Jesus, had sent him to Pilate, who played integral parts in his flogging and his shame and his crucifixion. And here Peter and John stand before them, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaim Jesus of Nazareth as the healer, and that salvation is only available through him. Pretty amazing thing to do. And then the passage tells us that the people were so amazed at Peter and John and the boldness and the authority with which they were speaking, because they were only uneducated fishermen anyways. And when they saw the lame man standing next to them who had been healed, they're like, well, what else can we say? Fearful of the effect that this could have on the masses of people who were so impressionable, the leaders tell Peter and John, you can go, but just don't preach or teach or talk about Jesus or do anything else in the name of this Jesus of Nazareth, okay? And Peter and John say, well, that's not possible. <laughs> they can't deny what Jesus has done. And this is a major turning point in the story of Peter. It's a major, major turning point in the book of Acts early on because we begin to see for Peter and the rest of the apostles the true opposition that they are facing. They are being intimidated. They're trying to be silenced. They're being persecuted. The text tells us that they, after all of this, they decided to gather together as believers. And in the face of this opposition, in the face of this pressure, what do they do? They pray. They pray. They pray together. Now, there are so many different facets of this passage that I could preach on. Pastor Joy actually preached on part of this text uh, back in the fall. But I want to focus on the prayer of these believers after this time of intimidation and persecution uh, as a way for us to talk about our own prayer lives today. And I do this in a way to honor my own mother, who I wish was here today, who has been and continues to be the model of prayer for me in my life. Um, So I want to focus on something in particular in this prayer. What do these believers pray for? What do they pray for when they go to Jesus in the midst of all that they're dealing with? They pray for boldness. They pray for boldness. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, and I want to encourage us to think about what it means to pray for boldness in our lives. So as we look at the model of prayer... That Peter offers us in this passage. I want to just pause and ask a question. This is for you to answer in your own way. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? How would you describe it to others? How would the people who you are closest to in your life describe your prayer life? When do you turn to prayer? Um, I posed the same question to our youth recently. Uh, One of the great joys in this season of of life for me has been the opportunity to step back into youth ministry with our junior and senior high students. And we actually spent time talking about prayer a couple weeks ago as we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Let me tell you, by the way, the students in this church are just incredible young men and women. I hope you get to know them. I hope you hear about what God is doing in their lives, and I'm so proud of them and so thankful for them. They are leaning in, they are learning, they are worshiping, they are growing. Um, So anyways, I asked them about their prayer life, and uh, I said, how many of you are likely to turn to prayer most often when you're in a time of need? Think about when you get to school and you realize that you have a quiz that you have not studied for at all. Is this the time when you're most likely to turn to God in prayer? I saw a lot of nodding heads like, yeah, that's probably the time. And I told them something which I really believe is true. I bet that many of the adults in this room, it's not really any different for us, right? not really any different for us we are most driven to prayer when our phone dies and we lose our navigation system and we have no idea where we're going or when the paycheck is a day late in processing to our account or when you're you've only got five minutes to get somewhere and you need some rock star parking or else you're going to be late for a meeting or when the doctor leaves a voicemail saying please call me back at your earliest convenience so I can talk about your test these are the moments when we're most likely to turn to God in prayer, right? And then I had our students read that amazing passage from Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, where he talks about prayer when he says the incredible words, ask, and it'll be given to you. Search, and you're going to find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and anyone who searches, finds, and anyone who knocks, the door is going to be open to you. Now that sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? All I have to do is ask for an AMI quiz? Or rock star parking? Or a clean scan? And Jesus is basically saying he has to give it to me because I asked for it? I think we know the answer to that is that's not exactly how it works. I have a notebook full of unanswered prayers in my life. I'm sure many of you do too. So what is Jesus talking about here? Well, this is in the Sermon on the Mount where the passage uh, that Jesus talks about prayer is found. And and all the Sermon on the Mount is about is, is about the values of the kingdom of God. Jesus' values and the values of the kingdom of God. So if we're striving for the values of God's kingdom, we can ask freely, and God will be faithful to provide for us. But when we ask for an A on a quiz that we haven't studied for, or a parking spot, or a charged phone, those things might be worthy of prayer, but they're not kingdom values, right, everybody? So we shouldn't be surprised when God doesn't grant these requests. It's fine to pray for them. God cares about those things too. But those aren't exactly kingdom values. So back to our text in Acts chapter 4. What might we expect the disciples to pray for after their episode in the temple, after being jailed, after being told you can't talk about Jesus anymore? What would we expect them to ask for in prayer? Maybe that God would silence their enemies so that they couldn't continue to do them any more harm. Maybe that God would spare them from jail again. Maybe that God would protect them and and keep them from harm going forward. They don't pray for any of those things, do they? Instead, what do they pray for? They pray for boldness. That's what they choose to pray for. But before they even ask for boldness, they do two things, and this creates sort of a, a bit of a form prayer for us as we think about our own prayer life. The first thing they do is they recite scripture. They recite scripture in prayer. They say, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, everything in them, it's you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, this is Psalm 2, why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Interesting thing to do to recite scripture. Why do they do that? Well, I think for them and hopefully for us, scripture is an anchor. Scripture is an anchor. It reminds them of the God of the Old Testament and that he knew the Messiah was coming. God knew that. He knew the Messiah would die on a cross. He knew that persecution was going to come. So they draw upon these words in Psalm 2 to be reminded of God's faithfulness, of his great story, And it helps them understand the troubling things that are happening to them now and realize that the things that are happening to them now, um, though difficult they are, they're, they're not a surprise to God. God's not surprised by these things. And then after they recite scripture, they do something that might seem a little odd. They share their life. They talk to God about what's happening in their lives. That's the next move. They say, for in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they gather together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And then they say, now look at the threats that are being hurled at us. God. Um, This always reads a little strange to me at first. It doesn't look much like my prayer life. uh, Because certainly God knows what's happening, right? God knows what happened to his son, Jesus. God knows what's happening to them. They can't really think that they're telling God new information as they pray this, right? No, I'm sure they know that, but, but I'm convinced that this was actually their best way of just spending time with God. Spending time with God. Sharing their lives with him. Being honest about the situation that they are in. A former colleague of mine here, former pastor, used to say that there is nothing better than when my kids talk to me about their lives. Remember that on Mother's Day kids. Nothing better than when my kids just sit down and talk with me about their lives. Not necessarily to receive anything from me, but just to simply share their lives with me, to tell me how they're doing. And I think God would echo those words, right? I think he delights when we choose to just talk with him to share our lives with him. So it's only after they've drawn upon scripture and they've they've talked about their lives and and where they're at in their lives that the apostles finally move to requests. And their requests, by the way, fully align with Jesus' kingdom values. They say, Lord, look at their threats. Grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal, signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus. So there's two requests in here. The first one's for boldness in their witness. And the second request is that God would just continue to do amazing things in the powerful name of Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So two things. Help us to be bold and keep doing all this great stuff, God. Those are their requests. What do they mean by boldness, by the way? Um, It does not mean brashness. It does not mean an excuse to be a jerk to somebody else. That's not what boldness is. The, the word in the original language can also be translated as confidence or full freedom. An old translation says, free from the need of approval, which I love. So what they're asking for when they pray for boldness is they're saying, would you give us confidence moving forward to freely proclaim Jesus and tell people about Jesus and respond appropriately no matter what comes, not out of fear and trepidation, but instead out of conviction and confidence and humility. So this is what they pray for in Acts chapter 4. That's our text for this morning. Does your prayer life look like that? Is that what our prayer life looks like? I think that's part of the invitation in this passage. And as we contemplate how Peter and, and, this, and this prayer in Acts chapter 4 are instructive for our own witness and our own prayer lives, I, I want to point out just five truths, things that I'm learning, things that are true in this passage uh, from this particular text. Truth number one, uh, I think boldness is worth praying for because it's something that we really need. It's something that we really need. Um, I don't often think to pray for boldness in my own prayer life, to be honest with you, in my faith, my witness, but I should. And I think you should too, because I believe that boldness for Jesus is in pretty short supply in our culture today. Many people feel uncomfortable speaking about Jesus or sharing their faith or standing up for the values of Jesus that he sets for us in Scripture because of fear, fear of retaliation fear of judgment, maybe fear of being put in a box, or fear of adverse responses in their schools or their jobs or their families. And what fear does is it can leave us feeling as if we're missing opportunities to stand up for Jesus, to share our faith, to, to state clearly the values that we've acquired from life with Jesus. So for me, when I pray for this, it's really not an issue of conviction or confidence in, in who Jesus is or his gospel, but it for me, it's a willingness. It's a willingness in the moment to speak up, to stand up, to trust God fully for the outcome, to be bold. Um, I have a visual for you for the kind of boldness that I think these disciples were were praying about and praying for. Um, this is a video that went viral in the last year Um in Southern California, a home camera caught a mother bear and her two cubs venturing into someone's backyard. And pretty quickly, you'll see three dogs come running to try and scare the bears away. Um, a scary situation because the bear actually swipes at the smallest dog, which is a service dog for a 17-year-old girl. There she is. And what does she do? She comes and pushes the bear off the wall and brings her dogs back to safety. Um. This is is obviously not an advisable thing to do, okay? There are a lot of potential negative, uh, even fatal outcomes in her decision to push this bear off the wall. But to me, what an awesome example of boldness, right? What an awesome example of boldness. This was not a woman, 17-year-old, her name is Haley. She is not trained to fend off bears. She's never done that before. But in the moment, instead of freezing... Instead of retreating, she stands up and she responds with confidence and with boldness. When interviewed afterward, she said that she knew in the moment what she needed to do. And this was her quote, I was thinking about my dog, I wasn't thinking about the bear. Isn't that great? Um, I want to just admit that for me, I don't always process things as quickly as I would like to in real time. Anybody with me on that? How many times do you walk away from a conversation or an opportunity and go, man, I missed it, right? You kick yourself because you go, I had an opportunity to say something that was true or good or to, or to introduce somebody to Jesus or to pray for somebody in the moment or, or to give account for my faith. So if you're like me, prayers for boldness are a wise decision. That in the moment, we would be ready to rise to the occasion with, con- with, with conviction and with confidence. And I think we need humble, principled boldness for the gospel in our world today. A second truth in this passage is that prayer is not primarily about asking God for things. As we've already seen, the prayers of the apostles were not about their requests. Um, The prayer life of the disciples was focused on their knowledge of Scripture, about their willingness to, to share their lives with God, to be with him, to enjoy his presence which often confronts our very hurried prayer lives where we jump straight to requests and concerns as if God is a genie in a bottle, right? Um, I had a profound experience of this kind of prayer just in the last um, couple weeks. I was deciding, I I decided to walk to work on a nice day. It takes about 20 minutes for me to walk here from my house. And so I thought, man, 20 minutes of good prayer time, that'd be great. And so I started walking and, and, and as I, tend to do, I sort of launched into requests and petitions, things that I was wrestling through in my life, right? Jesus, I need you to show up here. Jesus, I need a sign from you. Jesus, would you speak into, in, into this in my life? Would you speak wisdom? And all those prayers are totally valid. I invite you to pray those prayers, similar prayers. But I didn't really feel anything. It wasn't much going on in that prayer. So I started to slow down the pace of my walk a little bit, and I felt a sense that Jesus was walking with me. I didn't see him. I didn't hear him, but I felt that he was walking with me, maybe just like slightly behind me where I couldn't see him, and he was smiling at me as if to say, hey, Lars, um, why don't you pace yourself with me for a change rather than asking me to catch up with you all the time? And so for the rest of my walk, I just kind of focused on walking with him, and I shared my life with him, shared my heart and my emotions and my hurts and my pains and my fears. And then something amazing happened in that walk. I lost my need to ask him for anything. Just lost it. I so enjoyed just being with him and walking with him that I didn't really have space for much else. And that, to me, was a beautiful time of prayer. Friends, would you try that kind of prayer? Would you try that kind of prayer? Just... Reimagine your prayer time not as a list of prayer requests that just need to be unloaded on God, but rather just being with Jesus, sitting at his feet, pacing your life with his life, enjoying and delighting in his presence. And I'm confident that as we practice this model of prayer, here's what's going to happen. Those requests that we have are going to become refined to a distillation of kingdom values, or we're going to forget those requests altogether in deference to just being with Jesus. Both of those outcomes are great. Third truth, Now I'll go quickly here. Peter and John pray for a boldness that they've already exhibited. <laughs> I love this. Um, I love that they pray for boldness because what would they call what they had just been through if it wasn't boldness? When the same leaders who put Jesus to death throw them in prison and tell them to never mention the name of Jesus again, and they reply like, well, too bad, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Was that not boldness? That's boldness. And I think it's instructive for us that, So many of our prayers are not one-time prayers, right? They're things that we have to go back to over and over again. They continue to pray for boldness in part because I'm sure that they're like, we need boldness to, to continue to respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing, much like Haley pushing the bear off the wall with her bare hands, right? It's not like she's equipped to do that again now that she's done it once, right? That's why they pray for boldness. And this should likewise be a persistent prayer for us. If you feel like you've achieved perfect boldness, you are likely susceptible to all sorts of sins and snares because you probably lost your humility. So continued prayers remind us that it is God who gives us boldness. It's not something we create on our own. Truth four, Uh, the disciples show a desire to be a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Um. I think these disciples pray for boldness not because it was like a character trait that they really wanted. They're like, it just sounds cool to be bold, like bold people. I think it was because they saw the amazing things that God was doing through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what the book of Acts is about, by the way. How remarkable this was. The, the ministry of Jesus was continuing through healings and miracles and, and people coming to deep faith. And they're like, I just want to be a part of it. They didn't want to shrink back from opportunities to be a part of God's work in their midst. So it wasn't about coming across as gold as bold people, but rather a desire to advance and magnify what God was already up to. Is that the tenor of our prayers? A desire to humbly be a part of what God is doing? Or are we preoccupied with our needs and our gifts and our contributions? It's a convicting word, but we can echo the words of those praying saints in Acts 4 when they say, grant your servants boldness and keep doing the amazing things that you're doing, God. Who's doing the amazing work? God the Father through his son Jesus, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we get to pray to be a part of that work. Then the last truth. God blesses a prayer life that lines up with the life of Jesus and his kingdom values. When we adjust our prayer lives to the kingdom values that Jesus teaches us about, God responds in incredible ways. Look at verse 31. When they had prayed in that place in which they were gathered, it was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Um, I'll just tell you that times in my life where my prayers were aligned with Jesus and his way, his values, God has blessed me. I've been in rooms that have been shaken by the Holy Spirit. He's given me a clear sense of his presence and his comfort and his blessing, but I'll tell you one thing. I know that that has never happened when I come to him hurried and clutching and needy, and preoccupied. (laughs) Never. It's when I rest in Scripture, and I delight in His presence, and I align my life with His life and His values that He has made most known and most powerfully evident. And isn't that really what we desire in our prayer lives? A powerful sense of God's presence and movement? Don't we desire this more than the prayers of our finite minds to be answered in the way that we think that they should be answered? God blesses our prayer life when it looks like Peter and John and those believers in Acts chapter 4. So that's a lot. But as we close today, I thought it would be a a good opportunity for us to take these prayer practices to heart and actually enact them. Just as those believers in Acts chapter 4 gathered together, so we actually gathered here. Great, you already did it. It might have been a group about this size actually gathered together for their prayer meeting. So we're gathered. So let's do it. Let's do the same kind of prayer. Let's, 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 let's enact this prayer that they have modeled for us, scripture and sharing life and bringing our requests for boldness and the continued work of the spirit. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your presence here through the Holy Spirit and through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I invoke those words of your servant, David, when he said, God, Yahweh, is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of difficulty. Though everything may be falling apart around us, we will not fear. So Lord, we recognize those things in our lives that burden us. The places where we need extra measures of your grace and your care for us, the sins that we've committed. And Lord, we just take a moment to share our lives with you in the silence of our own hearts to share what's going on in our hearts and in our lives in our own words to just be with you. Lord, if these were our prayers today, this would be enough. Just to rest in your word and to share our lives with you and to delight in your presence. But we also ask, Lord, for two things. Would you give us boldness? Would you give us confidence and conviction in our witness for you so that we might live for you each and every day? And would you continue to do amazing work through your Holy Spirit? Lord, we desperately want to be a part of the work that you are doing in this world and in our lives. We thank you for your gracious presence with us. Amen and amen. Let's stand and worship together.